Welcome back to Two Dudes Watch Cartoons, the podcast where two dudes sit back, watch some cartoons, and talk about them. Uh, I'm your co-host, Alex. And my name's Evan, and today we are wrapping up our recap of The Legend of Korra. Um, It's been a little... Finally. Finally, yeah. (laughs) Um, We're covering seasons three and four today, the final two seasons of the show. Um. I'm kind of excited about this one. Kind of? Uh, kind yeah. of excited. I'm really excited. Season three is the best season of Korra, and it could be one of the best seasons of Avatar as a whole, in my opinion. It's definitely up there. I don't know if I'd place it in the top spot, but... I don't know about it. I think it's competing, though. I think it's... Okay, I, yeah, I, it's I really think this third season is where they hit their stride. Yeah, it's a top contender for sure. And you know uh, what? Four started out like three and started really strong but we can talk about more about four later but i don't think it ended awesome yeah i like the name of book three it's called changes Mm -hmm. because to me this season feels like a change and just ironically enough the first episode is called a breath of fresh air if that's not like so on the nose (laughs) i don't know what is because i i i think i was pretty open like season two was not it for me I did not like season two a whole lot. It had the whole backstory of the first Avatar, which I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. But season three hits on every level, in my opinion. And I think Breath of Fresh Air is really fitting for the start of this season because that's how it feels for me. What I like about the new series is they deal with the immediate consequences of the prior season. Right. So season three kind of picks up a couple days, a week or so after the end of season two. And they're still dealing with these spirit vines that are coming up all over the city uh, and it's kind of funny to see like how she interacts with president Ryko, um of republic city who's like kind of trolling her a little bit yeah he's giving a her a hard dad. time he's like <laughs> you just saved the world and he's like well what are you gonna do about these vines in my city and she's like i just saved the fucking world like like can't we celebrate that for a second yeah i'll figure it out give me a second (laughs) yeah and it is funny to watch like everyday life be impeded by the spirit world and the real Mm -hmm. world uh intertwined now it is interesting it's cool to see because we're in a whole new world and like cora doesn't know what to do even though she's like the one everyone's looking to which is that's like a cool thing. Like that's, I love that the avatar has really gained like fame, notoriety. Like it's a position of power in the world. And like Cora's like 16, 17 years old. Like she's not like, uh, you know Uh, what I mean? She is no way. Should she be a public figure, but she is. And she's having to deal with like her PR basically. Like she does press conferences and they're like, Cora, what are you going to do about the favorite voice? Yeah. Um, (laughs) That, no, but so that's how we start off here. But so the main crux of this season, it boils down to two stories, in my opinion. And the first one is when mm-hmm. the spirit world reopens. And this is kind of a plot hole, in my opinion. I don't know how this makes any sense, but I love it. So I'm willing to overlook <laughs> it. But sure. when the spirit world opens, the there's a lot of people throughout the world that gain airbending abilities again. And uh-huh. it's like... It's so cool because that's why I'm willing to overlook it because there are airbenders in the world. Again, Tenzin has like this beautiful moment where he's like, if only you could have seen this dad, like, because it it really wraps it back to the original story and Aang being the last airbender. And Mm -hmm. while 
this one, there's, you know, four airbenders. It, this is like it. This is the start of the air nation coming back. Yeah. So, uh, I'm curious what you think the, the, the plot hole is. Cause I have one in my mind. Well, we, I don't understand why opening the spirit world would allow random people to <laughs> gain airbending abilities sure. because in as far as I've been aware, it's genetic. You, yeah. you get it passed down through your bloodline and some people don't get it. Even like a brother and a sister, like Sokka and Katara. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what about reawakening the spirit world yeah. opens up these airbender genes, but I'm willing to overlook it because it doesn't make any sense to yeah. me. What's yeah, your plot hole? You have a different one uh, or the no, same it's, one? It's related to that. My, it's one that, but then two, like, how come it only creates new airbenders? <laughs> like, why yeah, is- yeah. Why are there more benders in general? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's, well, okay, well, now hear me out. Hear me out. The Avatar's job is to restore balance. Yeah, and Maybe so it's opening restoring. the spirit world. It's restoring some balance to the four elements by, yeah. that's the only thing, but I mean, that's like, you know, whatever. They don't explain yeah. that if that's what it is. So, yeah. um, but I love this. I love this mission of there's new airbenders and Tenzin and the gang. They're going to go find them. And they're going to go train him because that's what Tenzin has been. That's what Tenzin's always meant to do. He's just been doing it with only his kids in the avatar, but yeah. now he's got like real students. It's, mm-hmm. I don't know why it's real touching to me. He's been like a teacher without students, even though, yeah, I know he had students, but he's been like a teacher without students. And now he's got like real disciples, people who, and it, I mean, it's not easy to, he, I love the episodes when they have where to, he's convince. recruiting there. Yeah, where, where they're recruiting. Cause it takes us, it takes me back to our fraternity days of, yeah. of recruitment. So, um, Tenzin's a really bad recruiter, which is really mm-hmm. funny to watch. I love that it's JK Simmons too. I know we talked about yeah. that, but it's so funny that it's him. The first couple episodes are pretty playful when they're going yeah. out looking for recruiters. And that does what, take d- us- oh. Napoleon Dynamite. Did you catch his voice? Uh, he's he's like the slacker. Yeah, he's one of the slacker airbenders where his mom's like, oh, this will be yeah. great for him. Let's get him out of the basement. <laughs> yes. And uh, that's Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Oh, I lost it when I figured out that that's who that was. Shout out, Cams. Yeah. John Hatter, I think is his name. That is his name. That is Hell his yeah. name. Exactly. I just know I call him Napoleon Dynamite and everyone knows who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But so it's fun seeing these. And then so we get a new character. This is probably our introduction to a new character. Um, Kai. Kai's a little boy who has just gained the ability to airbend. And uh, when we meet him, he's being chased by uh, these men. And he's like, help me. They're after me. And of course, Cora jumps into action without asking any sort of questions and just starts beating down police officers, <laughs> which is if that's not like the most Cora thing I've ever seen. I she, literally this boy, she knows nothing about runs up and says, help me. So she just starts attacking mm-hmm. when it turns out Kai was a little thief. And these yeah. are police officers. But that's like so Cora jump first. Look later. Sure. How do you feel about Kai? I go back and forth on him. There's moments <laughs> where I love him and other moments where he's a little shit. What do you, yeah. what do you think about him? I'm not a huge fan. I think he's totally unnecessary. So given Rick, that there are so many characters already, I think they fall into a thing where they like introduce Kai at the expense of some other secondary and even primary characters. A lot of shows 
will throw an unnecessary love interest in for someone. And Kai mm-hmm. kind of feels like that for Janora a little. Yeah. He has a little more story than like your basic, which is, that's probably sexist because it's always the women uh, love interest mm-hmm. that gets no story. Kai gets a little bit of a story in like his, his bad boy turned good uh, story yeah. of it all. Um, he's not the worst in my opinion. Like he, like Avatar, in my opinion, has always had a really good time adding new characters. I think of like Toph, I think of Azula, yeah. but Kai is, I'm not like, yeah. Here's my issue, especially with regard to Jinora, is that she has the big emotional moment at the end of the season. Yeah. But they spent all the. Pretty all much the, the whole on season on all the time on Kai. So, it, it is, and, yeah. Like, for for a show that has a woman as its lead, mm-hmm. this is pretty bad look. I agree, but yeah. I, it should be about it should be more about Janora, but it's yeah. more about like her feelings for Kai, which yep. is annoying. But um, I do love Janora this season. That being said, I know we were just ragging on her. I think this is a really fun season. I don't for think Janora. it's a rag on Janora. I think I wish I could have seen more of her de- development. Yeah, I think it's ragging more of ragging on, on the, the writers. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, no, it really is. Um, but so that's the main story. And we can we can bounce around and, and get back to that. But let's get to this B story because it's and I don't even know it's a B story, but it's it's the more exciting of the two. And mm-hmm. it's the introduction of the new villain of season three. Yep. And if you if you can't tell, this is what I've been waiting to talk about because <laughs> I love the Red Lotus in here. Yeah. Absolutely. They are far more compelling a villain than anything we've seen in Korra or Avatar The Last Airbender. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yes. Well, Ozai. Ozai's great because of the mystery and like the the just fear. It's just, mm-hmm. I mean, Avatar's a very good story of good versus evil, and they do a very yeah. good job of that. And 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 that's not to take away from it where this this is this is here's complex. a complex. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. That's what I like about it. I think a uh-huh. strong villain is great for any sort of hero to overcome because, and, and, and you know what? I don't think it's any coincidence that this is my favorite version of Korra that we get out of the four seasons. This yeah. is the Korra I like the most. I feel like we see her grow more so this season. I, I, one of my last problems with Korra is we see her repeat a lot of the same mistakes where it, that's like frustrating as hell to me in both in real life and in a show. And so I feel like we learned Cora learned something this season, Cora. And you know what? I'm rambling now, but the villains, they build on each other so well. And, and they three and four go very well together because three's villain, like really builds up all this, these fears, anxieties that, Cora's been feeling mm-hmm. and it, it transitions into four pretty well. But so I'm jumping around. But so yeah. let's let's get into the introduction of Zahir. He's like on a mountain yeah, in a prison yeah. cell. And it, uh-huh. it like if you were to escape this prison, there's no way you're making it out of there, of course. We I think it's funny because Zahir is in a really locked down prison, but apparently before the spirit world opened. He wasn't he was a non-bender. A he was just a normal dude, but he's right? a high Doesn't he's a high security more prisoner. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. But so we see him on this mountain and they're like feeding him. And then we find out he's gained airbending as well. Mm-hmm. And this is the first villain airbender. Yeah, that's true. 
this is the first evil airbender. I don't know why that's so exciting to me. There's evil waterbenders. There's evil, not even evil, but there's bad guy waterbenders. There's mm-hmm. evil firebenders. There was even bad, there's bad guy earthbenders all the time too. Yeah. Never an evil airbender. And so this is cool because Zaheer is not trained like Aang, Tenzin, and the kids. Tenzin's got a different fighting style and it shows. Uh-huh. And it's so fun to watch because he's like, in my mind, really opening up a lot of possibilities airbending wise that uh-huh. these other airbenders we've been watching have not touched on. Zaheer is fighting so much more like brute force, but elegance of airbending, if that makes sense. Like he's sure. going for the kill. Whereas yeah. Aang and Tenzin are monks. That's not how they fight. Yeah. Zaheer is here like here is breaking out of prison as an airbender Mm -hmm. even ang doing that it's still a funny running around he uses his air scooter that's not what zaheer (laughs) does you know what i mean zaheer blows dudes off a mountain and Mm -hmm. and creates a a vacuum of space where you can't even breathe i think his showdown with um tenzin towards the end of the season is probably top top notch yeah top notch amazing when do you see two airbenders fight when have we seen two airbenders go at it? I'm telling that's you, true. making that's why I'm totally cool for giving this plot hole of adding airbenders into the world because it gives us this amazing Red Lotus story. So we've touched on Zaheer a little bit. Zaheer, even before he gained airbending abilities, was kind of studying the airbenders. Yeah. He Do you have about, I don't, what he says? He talks about Guru Lahima all yes. the time. Yes. Let, let's pull that up and we can yeah. cut this out here. So... Um, while you're pulling that up, yeah. the idea of the Red Lotus, though. So one of the things that I, I think is a valid point on Zaheer's part is that the White Lotus, since uh, the time of Aang, is no longer this like formidable secret society. They're just kind of oh. these dopey security guards. I mean, that are on the good side. You they know. were training Korra as a kid, too. Yeah. But... but- a lot of them are guarding these four prison cells. It looks like, <laughs> which I love these yeah. prison cells. Can we just jump into them since we've already yeah. touched on one of them? Yeah. Uh, the first one was on a mountain where the, do you know the next one? The next one's, I don't know why on, my favorite. It's on like a, a boat. Yeah. A it's on boat. a boat. It's on a huge wooden and, boat. Cause he's an earthbender. Uh-huh. So they can't have anything that he can earthbend. I love it. I don't know yeah. why that's so creative to me though. Mm-hmm. And that's Gazan who is Gazan. a lava bender. First introduction, a new bending form. And I've already said this. You've heard me. I love when they introduce a new bending form. I love it. And lava bending is so badass. And I didn't know until we met the fourth member of the Red Lotus um, if he was a firebender or an earthbender. And I kind of liked that. I was like, oh, what is going on here? You know what I mean? Yeah. So Zaheer breaks him out. Yeah. After Zaheer breaks himself out, he goes and gets his name was Kazan, right? Mm hmm. Which uh, another amazing scene, he breaks him out and he drops like three things of rock in his cell. And then Gazan is like, oh, that's all I need. And he breaks out with his lava. It's awesome. <laughs> Great scene. And yeah. um, then they go to the water tribe, right? Or is that last? No, that's last. I think that's, that's last. That's next, isn't it? Well, so the water girl's next, but they it, it's in the volcano. Uh, yep. Yep. And. I'm going to be honest. The first time I watched this, I did not catch that. What's her name? Minghua. So it's, uh, Minghua is a waterbender. And the first time we saw Minghua, I'll, I'll be honest, I did not catch that she did not have arms. So upon <laughs> rewatch, it made her like nine times more badass. Yeah. 
Um, she's voiced by the Gray Delisle who voiced Azula. Oh, you're kidding! That oh, uh, that adds yeah. up. I love it. I didn't oh, I catch it, it the first time, but I didn't either. Yeah, so she comes back. Season Azula's three. a great voice actor. These two seasons, we have a couple uh, returning voice actors from the last Airbender, which is pretty cool. That is cool. But she's so cool. She uses these two things of water as limbs, as arms. Yes, yeah. limbs, which is dope. And mm-hmm. she is like seamless transition between water and ice mm-hmm. and like i know she's just so smooth but like it's a different style of fighting we've ever seen and that's yeah. what i love about it and when they're breaking her out it's kind of cool because they bring back eska and the other cousin chorus yeah. cousins the two yeah, water yeah, yeah. Bolin's ex-fiance. yeah they're in charge of the uh northern water tribe now and we also get our first glimpse as zuko returning he's going Love there it. to protect it uh but they get bested in, in battle and he's an old man and he looks like he looks like he's still roku. Limber, dude yeah, well, yeah, he, oh, look yeah. Like he looks like roku yeah. i love it though i don't know why it's cute to me because avatar roku was his grandfather yeah i and wonder you know, if I love- he has that hair piece uh Oh, he's got the hairpiece. Trust me, I checked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Um. But so, and then so they're breaking out the last member here, which is another combustion bender. If if that's, I think that's the proper term. But they make explosions with their minds. Sparky, Sparky, boom, boom, man Mm -hmm. from from Avatar: The Last Airbender. Got to be some sort of descendant of his. Yeah. So she's got the same design on her forehead. She's much taller than Zaheer, which I find pretty funny. She's like a giant compared to him. <laughs> yeah, what? You don't think short dudes can date tall women? No, nah, this is funny. To me. But so it is cute as they're breaking them all out. They're like, oh, that's crazy that Zaheer got us before uh, uh, P. Lee because they're, ooh, they're dating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we love a good love story, though. And it humanizes them, though, in all honesty. Yeah. And that's part of what makes them a complex villain group is their ideals. They humanize them. And for them only being in one season, I think they fledge them their story out. And they don't even really go into a backstory, which I'm going to be honest, I kind of like. There was obviously an incident that imprisoned them 13 years mm-hmm. ago when they tried to steal Korra. Yeah. But they never really dive into it. And I don't know why I'm into it. It, it adds to the mysteriousness of them. Yeah, so they're on the mi- they're on a mission to end the Avatar. They're the Red Lotus. Um, yeah, because which is like I was saying, they're building on the other villains' ideals. Mm-hmm. Amon tried to steal Korra's bending. Unalak tried to make a, a, a an anti Avatar, bringing mm-hmm. balance. And so Zaheer's like, you know what? Instead of that, we'll just get rid of the Avatar. Yeah, but I mean, it is kind of. Again, a valid criticism because they're saying, you know, the uh, avatars essentially become so intertwined uh, with how the new world was structured that now Korra is kind of another arm of the government, basically. And, and she's car- carrying out like political will rather than her true purpose of, you know, maintaining balance in the world. So yeah. she kind of has to wrestle with that. Um, and I think that's what makes him so compelling. It's like, oh yeah, that 
does make sense. That, adds <laughs> that, makes up. A lot that checks. Sense. That yeah. checks out with everything we've been watching yeah. with her having to deal with the government. And we haven't even gotten into her having to deal with the Earth Queen. So yeah. back to story A, the they're looking for Earthbend or they're looking for airbenders in the Earth Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And the Earth Queen's like, oh, there's none here. Okay, bye. And <laughs> her, turns out this sneaky Earth Queen is making an army of airbenders. Yeah. Which, you know, why any sort of good queen would, you know, what I mean? uh-huh. any sort of monarch ruler would. Yeah. But so Zaheer's touching on like real problems that Cora's dealing with. She's like, man, I do have problems with governments and 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 leaders. Mm-hmm. So back to what part of what makes Zaheer great. And so I pulled up this quote, um, Zaheer, this is our introduction to him. And like I said, it really humanizes him because he's like, have you ever read the poetry of the great airbender Guru Lahima? Guru Lahima lived 4,000 years ago in the Northern Air Temple. It is said that he unlocked the secrets of weightlessness and became untethered from the earth, living his final 40 years without ever touching the ground. And that's not like a normal bad guy intro. You know what I mean? That's kind of, that's very, on first listen, that doesn't make any sense to you, really. You're kind of like, what is he talking about? But by the end of this, it'll make sense to us what, yeah. what he was getting at. Because he repeats it a couple times. He says it very in the beginning. And then I believe he also says it to Janora about midway through. Mm-hmm. It is really cool that we uh, revisit Bossing Say after all these yeah, years. Yeah, we haven't been there. Also, we're skipping over a great reunion, but Mako and Bolin meet their whole family. I absolutely love that the grandmother has a picture of the Earth Queen and is like obsessed with her. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think that's like a common thing in, in a lot of countries around the world is to like have a picture of like just like a self portrait of. Oh, yeah. What, what, yeah. I, I don't know why. That's a, that's a cool touch to me because that's not something you see too often here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Is this the first time we've heard mention of uh, Bolin and, and Mako's parents? This is where we learned that one was yeah. a firebender and one was yes, a this is what where we Yes, I we love learned. it. I don't know why. I always thought they weren't real brothers because they weren't benders. They were just <laughs> yeah. like street brothers. Yeah. But no, one of their, their father was a firebender and their mother was an earthbender. That's why they're two different benders. We meet the rest of their family. And it's real sad. The rest of their family doesn't know that um, they passed away, which was sad. Yeah. But um, also this season, I feel like in season one and two, people's storylines just got lost or they weren't really doing anything. Everyone's really doing something this season between Tenzin, the kids, um, Mako Bolin, Asami um, and Korra. They're all like mm-hmm. on a very specific like they're all it, it gets back to that. I love the feel of the first avatar. They were traveling around the world. They had a goal. This is similar here. They're traveling around the world, looking for airbenders, you know, trying to recreate the air nation. This is one of my criticisms of season three. We start to lose Mako in all of this. Uh, basically from when he goes um, into bossing, say we don't see him. For, there's like four episodes in the middle of the season season. We don't see anything he's doing, what he's up to. And through the rest of the season, he's just there to move the plot forward to, you know, do detective things and connect the dots on things. And that's essentially his role for the rest of the show. No are you ready though? Yeah. Yeah. Are you ready for this though? Sure. Uh, my big criticisms with seasons one and two was this love triangle. How annoyed was I with that constant yeah. love triangle? Okay. Turns out it was just Mako that was messing everything <laughs> up. Yeah. And so 
I am not opposed to Mako taking a step back. I loved him in season one and two, but man, it's the the love triangle mess being over. Yeah, there's some funny, awkward moments throughout mm-hmm. season three, but that being over is just like such a weight off my shoulders. That was so yeah. cheesy to me. And um, you know what? I'm going to blame Mako because we know how it ends. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I don't know. I For me, it's a disservice to his character. Like, he just has no more, like Bolin keeps learning and growing. Love Bolin. Also, Bolin's Bolin. voice. I, I just realized this, but Bolin's voice is a guy named J.P. Brine, who was okay. in Wolf of Wall Street. Can you picture him? He's like the guy with the nerdy guy with glasses. He's like one of the first guys. This is, we can totally cut this out, but it's just, it's, oh, it's really weird that that's him if, if you look him up. Not important, but so. I do agree. Mako takes a seat back this season, but I really think the story stands on its own. I don't think it needs Mako. Like that's how much I love this story. It's just because from the, literally from this point on, all he says is stuff like uh, there's scuff marks on the floor. Like, Oh, this shelf opens up <laughs> like stupid <laughs> shit like that. Come oh, on. Let's go to the metal Island. I love this metal Island. And what's it called? It's got a real name. Uh, I don't recall. That's okay. But so we meet more of Toph's children, child's child, mm-hmm. child oh, it's kids. Not, it's, a, it's a city. It's Zafu. Zafu. It's, it's like an island. It's not just a city. It's land-based, though. Yeah, but it's like on its own. That's the point of it, I think. I don't think it's like landlocked. I think it's an it island. It is landlocked. Maybe not. For sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. 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 Uh, yeah, that's not important. But so <laughs> I love the city of Zafu. It's all yes. metal benders. And it's run by Toph's other daughter. And um, it's cool because they're like mm-hmm. doing, they're playing like sports, they're doing art. Like it's like a real modern civilization, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, they're really like advanced tech wise. Um, Securities unlock. It's literally, it, it, it's like a dome that unfolds like a fla- metallic flower, the city. It's and pretty. they close it up at night or whenever yeah. there's danger to protect yeah. themselves. It's the most secure place, you know, in the Avatar world. I love this island. We spend some time here. Mako does his detective work. There's a yeah. trainer, all, all that good stuff. That's all fun. But so this is where we get the first attack from the Red Lotus trying to kidnap Korra again. Mm-hmm. And the four of these Red Lotus members in tandem, one of each bending. Mm-hmm. is so cool it's so cool we've really never seen anything like this they're all no. pretty unique benders like i said uh zahir being the first evil airbender is unique lava bending's unique combustion bending's pretty unique and then uh, uh, Pil- Pil- uh then minghua. Ming- minghua has no arms we've uh-huh. never seen a bender with no arms no we haven't and they're badass and they're strong as hell mm-hmm. and they almost get away with it they almost get cora uh basically yeah. they should have but they 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 thwart their plan mm-hmm. and they save her and then obviously it's classic introduced to the villain and then uh i loved when uh zahir was like pretending to be an airbending student and they were oh, like yeah. this dude's amazing they're like has mm-hmm. he been studying airbending before like yeah and yeah. so i just love that little bit too when he's like trying to fit in all the dopes they find oh this is such a funny moment i gotta go over this when tenzin is t- training all of the air benders and he's like all right now we're all gonna shave our heads and he shaves the one dude's head and he's like oh man he's like well it's completely voluntary like you don't need to do it and he's like oh why did i already do it but then later in the episode it Mm -hmm. like comes in use when the airwave hits the back of his head and he's like oh and he's able to dodge 
like a spy, that spider sense type Love thing. Yeah. That <laughs> How he's like so upset yeah. that he shaved his head and he was the only one who did it. But mm. then by the end of the episode, he's like, guys, you got to do this. Yeah. Uh, that episode, the poacher, the, the air bison poacher is voiced by yeah. Clancy Brown. Long thing. Mr. Krabs. Oh, from Airbender. <laughs> Pretty small role, but it was still cool. There is no war in Bossing say. All right. Let's um I, can you think of any other really standout moments from three before we wrap it up? Because yeah. the ending's intense. I, I yeah. want to get into the ending. Yeah. Uh, well, just um they did a good job of building up like the menace of Zaheer because like you mentioned, yeah, he had gone to the air temple. So while Tenzin's away, Tenzin and Korra. He's- and team avatars he's away. like a hunter yeah are away looking for airbenders uh zaheer visits the air temple in republic city with just his uh i think milo around or no milo and iki and pema zaheer is like just per, you know visits tenzin's home as a as a new he goes in his student, study finds uh an artifact from guru lahima and nobody really recognizes him because he like shaved his head Kaya is the the first one to to catch on to him, and so she has a fight with him where she gets whooped pretty bad. Uh, She's a good bender too. I really yeah. like this. I think I think the show does a good thing. Is like over the generations, the the bending gets the people get better at bending. I feel mm-hmm. like really Aang, Katara were like, and Toph were like master benders, and a lot of other people were like B grade benders. Yeah, we see a lot more like really proficient bending in Korra yeah. from everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I just like that episode because it's, it's kind of like a slow burn up to that first attack when yeah. the Red Lotus is all together and he's, they, he's like stalking. He's yeah. like, yeah, it's great. He That's a good way to put it. Yeah. He's trying to learn it. Yeah. Yep. 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 But so these last two episodes, in my opinion, are just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a two part finale, even though it's not like a part one and part two, but um so after a few times of i love how they rendezvous in the spirit world did you like that how they like i did i enjoyed that it's like i don't know how to describe it like each coming to such equal also we see we see iroh this season how did i skip over that Mm -hmm. i love that we saw iroh but it felt a little cheesy to me yeah they because they did it in season two right yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. They did. Yeah, that was when it was first. But I think we saw him again because yeah. uh, we get the line of Cora. What I didn't like about it is Cora's like, "Oh yeah, I got some advice from your uncle actually." And mm-hmm. he, she, uh, Zuko's like, "You saw my uncle?" And that's all they talk about it, which does not yeah. seem very realistic to me. I agree. I think when Iroh pops up this time, it's like, "Uh, you already did that once." Like it, it loses its significance the second time around. Yeah. Yeah. But I love Iroh, so it's hard mm-hmm. to hard to bash on that. But I, uh, I, I like when they meet in the spirit world, Zahir and Korra, because yeah. it's like we you don't often have these moments where the good guy and the bad guy meet and don't and in this show especially and don't fight and don't fight. They don't just sit down to have like a debate at any point. But this is where Zahir really goes into his whole philosophy of like the Red Lotus and why the Avatar is kind of just a pawn these days for these governments. Um, and he like brings up a lot of stuff that Cora has to really kind of think about, but that just solidifies her conviction of like, 
no, I'm doing the right thing. Like I'll work within a system to, you know, make it better. Yes. But you know what I really love here is Cora has always been, no, you're wrong. I'm right. I'm going to beat you down till you agree. This yeah. is the first time we really see Cora start questioning things, which she does still end up on her own same side, which I'm fine about, but we really see her struggle. We see the, we see her really think over what Zaheer's saying and have to like, oh, you know what? He's got a point. And because the audience at home, after everything we've seen this season, we can kind of say the same thing. We're like, oh, you know, he's bringing up some good points, if I'm being honest. And Cora agrees with that. She doesn't just do her typical no and then punch into a firebending move. You know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So those moments are pretty cool. Um, But yeah, I guess we set the stage for the final final battle, which is Mm -hmm. um, a lot happens here. So, okay. The earth queen, there's a lot going on here. It's kind of a convoluted. So the earth queen has captured Korra and taken her back to bossing say, and Zaheer and the red Lotus have captured all the airbenders. Mm -hmm. And some of the airbenders are the earth queen's army that she was building. They broke them out of of jail. And so Zaheer pops up and says, earth queen, we will give you all these Earthbenders back if you give us the Avatar. And I really love what he does with the Earth Queen here. He like kind of he like verbally outwits her. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want anyone knowing that you have the Avatar here. Politically, that would look very bad if everyone knew you had the Avatar as a prisoner. Uh-huh. I will not tell anyone if you just give her to me. And she's like, what are you going to do with her? And he's like, that's not for you to know, but you have confirmed like she is here or whatever. Like he's, <laughs> he like really outsmarts her. And I love uh-huh. that scene. And cause she's like, she gives into his demands. And then we see the Dai Li love the Dai Li. Uh, that's why it's great. We're back in Boston. Say is like, it's a real kingdom. They've been doing the same thing since mm-hmm. they have Avatar. Not modernized. They have all. not really modernized at all. Yeah. And whereas we have the contrast of Republic city which uh-huh. is super modernized. Yeah. Um, so this is great though. And this is the great scene we see where Zaheer literally sucks the air out of the earth, the queen. earth queen's yeah. body. Straight up murder. What? Straight <laughs> murder. Like this is on par with like blood bending in my opinion, because uh-huh. like blood bending is like the ultimate water bending. Whereas yeah. yeah, the forbidden thing, like Zaheer stole her breath mm-hmm. and, and suffocated her. And it's dark. Yep. It's not like any, it's not like anything we've seen really in uh-huh. this kind of show. So he does this, uh, first he kills the earth queen and then there's an all out fight. We got Tenzin's there. we got the metal benders bailing, uh, the, all the, all, all of Toph's kids mm-hmm. and, um, and Opal. We didn't talk about Opal, which is Bayfall, uh, which is Bolin's, um, New love interest. New love interest. Yeah. Which is so funny because ready for this, uh, a little bit of spoilers for four, but so he, in season three is very much like trying to win her over. And then by the time we see them in season four, she's like over him. It's like, <laughs> it's like we never see their relationship yeah, the really on a good. Yeah. yeah. But so um, we get all of them there fighting the red Lotus and they have, they're, they're trying to steal the avatar and mm-hmm. the metal benders. I, I'm just going to get to it because this is what leads into Zahir's uh, um, flight is the metal benders throw a piece of armor over the combustion benders. Sue does. Sue Beifong. Sue Beifong 
like this is what I'm talking about is this finale was like one we saw the earth queen just suffocate and two like I, they didn't really show this one to be fair they showed everything yeah. but they show like uh her about to do a combustion bend uh-huh. and then just smack smack two pieces of armor encase her whole head and we just hear boom and then all we see no, is you don't, hear, you, you don't even hear it Oh, maybe I made it, it just up. Cu- it just cuts to a to pillar Zaheer. of smoke. And Zaheer <sighs> going, please. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh. Uh, and this is what I'm talking about. Is it's real humanizing. season three. Yeah. It's real humanizing. It's like he loves her so much. But mm. this is great because, oh, this is so great here. Because then we go back to this quote of, it's said that he unlocked the secrets of weightlessness and became untethered from the earth, living his final 40 years without ever having touched the ground. And so um, it really goes back to he untethered himself from like earthly possessions back when Aang had to do it with Katara. Yep. I think right before that flight, he's reading the Guru Lahima artifact. He's, you know, untether yourself, whatever, from your earthly desires. And then, you know, uh, Plea, like, comes into the room and says, oh, are you ready? And he starts talking to her. But they're, like, hinting at that she's the tether before this scene and before he takes flight. They hint at that, like, visually. Yeah. No, you're so right. Tether. Which That's why like, he's not able to fly. Yeah. She's his tether to earth. Oh, and so as soon as she dies, he he's able to fly. Mm-hmm. It's like instant too. And that's how you know it was just her. Yeah. Before this portion of the battle, though, I do want to shout out when Zaheer first comes to the Northern Air Temple. Yeah. And he faces off with Tenzin alone to save their airbenders or to capture their airbenders. And Tenzin's trying to save them. And Tenzin, to his credit, is absolutely spanking. Oh, yeah, he is. Oh, he's whooping on him, dude. And it's really funny. So I watched this one Avatar TikTok that was like breaking down. It's like you can see they like visually show you how much of an airbending master, which we really do not see like how good of an airbender Tenzin is. uh, Because there's this one fight sequence where they're like on the wall and, and Zaheer takes like three jumps to scale this wall and get away from Tenzin and Tenzin just like whoop, jumps yeah. right up the whole thing. One like, jump. One jump. He does the backward uh, like air blast kick thing that you see oh. in the beginning intro yes. of Korra. Yes, he does do the move. Um, and he told me to look out for that, yeah. I think, and I, I saw it. And he's got Zaheer cornered up until the rest of the Red Lotus show up. Yep. And then four, that's when he gets four whooped on. on. He gets how rough, how brutal was that when they were four on oneing him and he's yeah. like all bloody and beaten? Like that's what I'm saying. The season was good. It's really dark. There's mm-hmm. a lot of moments where you're just like, whoa, didn't expect to see that. Yeah. So now he can fly. He can yeah. he's just and it's not like he's like I don't know how to phrase it. He's like floating. He can just move mm-hmm. through yeah, 3D he space. Have to, air know. bend to to fly. He's just doing it. Mm -hmm. It's cool. It's weightless. Um, I don't want to gloss over that Bolin unlocks his lava bending powers. Oh, it's one of my favorite moments of the season. Yeah. Um, Lava bending so cool. And it's really cool that Bolin can do it because he's part firebender and part earthbender. It is. And he's been struck. So he's been trying to learn metal bending. Oh, and he can't. And he can't metal bend it. It's really cute. (laughs) 
uh, <laughs> and it comes down to like life or death moment. And he basically goes to sacrifice himself. Like there's lava yep. coming at four of them and he, he stops it. I'm like, Oh my God, you're a lava bender. And he's like, uh, yeah, I just found out too. Yeah. It's awesome. It's, it's so moment. exciting. No, it's really hype because it is life or death there. Mm-hmm. Um, him being a lava bender is great for four too. But so this fight is just amazing. It's beautiful. It's long. Uh, Zaheer is like a wounded, I don't even know what to call him. Cause he just lost the love of his life. Mm-hmm. And so like, he's on the war path. He is completing this mission for, for, for the team. Mm-hmm. for the squad and they do capture Cora and they like inject this poison into her. What is this? It's like a metallic like a, poison based poison that which is that common. Is that a real thing? Is oh, like, I've never so. heard of that. And so uh, this is another one where I'm like this metal based poison. Why does it force her to go into the avatar state? Cause it's like, activating her survival instinct because that's but so then uh, but this is okay the reason they're trying to kill her in the avatar state is to end the avatar cycle mm-hmm. but in saying that the avatar can die in the avatar state ending the cycle implies that you could just die not in the cycle like well i feel like it if, if the avatar state turned on as a survival instinct every time it was life or death wouldn't the avatar always die in the avatar state uh, I don't know. Maybe not if it's like old age, old age or something. <laughs> okay, whatever. To me, it was but weird I mean, that it, yeah, yeah. But so, anyways, it activates. It, it's gonna kill her in the Avatar state, and it's a yeah. really weird scene where they have chains on her, and she's like thrashing, and mm-hmm. she's getting visions of her past uh, enemies that she's been dealing with, and it's a it's a really weird and dark scene that's not typical for the for Avatar. Yeah. I get that they're trying to wrap up or not wrap up, but like incorporate her whole journey so far. But I think the having the past villains, you know, pop up as hallucinations or whatever. It, they build I think it's though, on the nose. I think no, it's on they, the nose. <laughs> you, they, it, the villains really build though. All of them wanted the, like to bring new balance to the world that Cora wasn't. They're like trying to undermine her. Like her job is to bring balance to the world. And they're saying, no, you're not doing yeah. it right. Here's what I'm going to do to restore balance. Amir's like, we are going to get rid of all bending. That's what's going to restore balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, or Aman, I, I don't know who Amir is. Aman. And then um, <laughs> Unalak was like, I'm going to make a dark avatar that's going to uh, create balance. balance. Yeah. And that's what, and then Zaheer, he's like, I'm just going to get rid of the avatar. That'll create balance. Yeah. And so they, they're building on each other. They're all undermining her. It's a real blow to her confidence because Korra is confidence. Korra, like, is very That's headstrong true. and they they finally break down her will this is going to be big for season four and this is what mm-hmm. i'm saying is three and four really go well together and I, I, she gets saved at the last minute that's yeah. the important part of it but like they have done some damage i know the, the flashing of the villains is kind of on the nose mm-hmm. but it's a real building point to her losing all confidence in herself as the avatar and just as yeah. like yeah the 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 balance bringer sure and so they save her but she's like really beaten down she's like in a wheelchair yeah and we get a really great closing scene the emotional peak i think of the series for me so far is that janora is like deemed an airbending master and she's been asking for tattoos all season she's like yeah i'm kind of jokingly yeah but she's been you know egging her dad on to like hey i'm a pretty good airbender too and she comes out with the you know the hood over her head during this airbending ceremony. Tenzin's giving this speech about how their airbenders are gonna you know 
return to being nomadic and kind of fill in for the avatar as she's recovering. And uh, they're going to do so under the leadership of a new airbending master, which is Jinora. She lifts her hood. She's got the tattoos. Her head is shaved. She looks, she's the spitting image of Aang. I know that's what it is. Sweeping music. It's so there's chimes because their windbenders are doing these chimes with this little with like an incense. It's a great scene. It's such an amazing moment, and here's where the writers fail me. Oh no! Uh, Not in this episode. Just with the rest (laughs) of the series is that's it. She grows her hair back in the next season. Uh, She doesn't. They don't focus on her much. At You're all. right. It's a great, it, it's very conclusion-y for her story. This is why I have a problem with Kai is like her season three should have been building up to that, which it does yeah. a little bit, but it's been not as much as it could Her, you know, pining over Kai or worrying about Kai. So, um, but I really all do right. appreciate that moment. You know what? You've convinced me a little, I, I was like, all. Oh, I was ready to put this as one of the better seasons, Kai, but Kai I, I don't know what breaks Kai's basically my one criticism. I don't know. It breaks the top three, which is obviously all the last airbender. So, but um, three is an amazing season. We wrap it up. And like I say, I think it goes really well into four. And I think we can just transition right into it. Four Mm -hmm. picks up, I think like three years later, it picks up a couple years later. And Cora's been in the North pole or so everyone thinks she's been in the North pole healing, recovering. And um, the airbenders are traveling around the world, helping where they can, where they're needed. But mm-hmm. the real story is going down in the Earth Kingdom because the Earth Queen has been assassinated. One of my favorite things is, is when is it? When is it murder or when is it an assassination? But so <laughs> the Earth Queen has been assassinated by Zaheer. I love that we're still dealing. That's what I'm saying. Is the, I feel like most of the stuff bleeds over pretty well oh, yeah. into season four. Like I love this political fallout that we uh-huh. get from Zaheer's assassination. Yeah. And so one of my earlier complaints with one and two or with the series as a whole is that Nickelodeon was like only green lighting it one season at a time. But after season two, they, they went, you know, they gave them the green light for two more seasons. So, uh, Brian and, Three and Mike, four were playing together more. So. Yeah. They could kind of plot out, which their story sucks because four ends so poorly. Yeah. It does. It really does. It yeah. really ends on an anticlimactic note. Mm-hmm. Um, better than so, two. Better than two. I don't know about one. Probably not one. It um, goes three, yeah. one, four, two. Yeah. And you know what? There's a drop between four and two, in my opinion. Two is For so sure. bad. But so, <laughs> um, this season starts strong, though. I love yeah. the first scene with Covera. Mm-hmm. So Covera's on a moving train going around Earth Kingdom to Earth Kingdom place. And um, I don't even know how to, how to describe her. She's just like intimidating. Is that like the best like well, her, describe yeah. of her? Well, her train gets stopped by like rocks on the track and then turns out to be bandits. Are, yeah. And these bandits come in and her troops are getting ready to go out there. And she's like, no, hold on. Like, I, I would never ask you to do anything I wouldn't do myself. Yeah. Which comes back later in the season too. Um, but she goes out there, takes on, you know, 10 or so bandits. Captures handily defeats them. She's got her armor all over her body are these little strips of metal, and she mm-hmm. just uses them like I don't even know. Like it's great. Yeah, like it's as projectiles, re- as whatever she needs them to be. She get handcuffs, uh-huh. like feet cuffs, blinders. She blinds people with them. Mm-hmm. It um 
it's really phenomenal and it's really fun to watch. It's like a different style of metal bending. Yeah. She's traveling with Bolin, Varric, yeah. and Julie. They're important characters this season. Yeah, they reoccur after they weren't in they, season three they, at all, I don't think. Uh, if they were, it was just a little not important. I think they were yeah. a little bit. Um, but so Bolin is like one of her generals. I don't even know. He's like part of the Covira team. Mm-hmm. And I just love that Bolin has lived such a crazy life. From, <laughs> like what a, what a, he went from street beggar to professional Athlete. bender to yeah. mover star uh-huh. to now he's like in a political campaign. I don't even know. Yeah. Like <laughs> a military political advisor. Yeah. And all, like all the while best friend to the avatar. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Kuvira has kind of risen to power in the vacuum of authority that is the Earth Kingdom. She's like and going she's around helping, pledging out. loyalty, helping out. Yeah, quote unquote, uh, these villages. Um, but she kind of does it in a sneaky way, like with the bandits, where she either you know gives them an ultimatum of like spending the rest of their lives in prison or joining her army and being loyal yeah. soldiers, which is how she's built up following outside of Zafu. Yeah, and she was a star. So we did meet her in season three. Yeah, there's of, like so many bloodlines me. here too. There's like so yeah. many bloodlines. So her husband is Toff's grandson, mm-hmm. and um, the other Beifong, which I'm blanking on her name. It's her son, one of her kids, Opal's brother. Yeah, and so Opal, we run into. She runs into Bolin, and it seems like they haven't seen each other in a while. And Opal's an Airbender too, which is really cool in my opinion. Uh-huh. She comes from the Metal Bender Society, but um, like I said, they aren't on great terms. She's like annoyed <laughs> with him, yeah, and she's annoyed that he she's working for Kovira or that mm-hmm. he's working for Kovira, which I love that. That's like the first hint that we get there's any sort of dissension. Mm-hmm. Because Kuvira is a little bit at, at odds with Su Yin, the leader of the the metal clan. Yeah, um, and there, I think that ideological battle was kind of interesting. In that Su Yin wanted to just be removed from the Earth Kingdom. You know, yeah, literally didn't want any part in it. Literally hold up in her own very prosperous city, where Kuvira kind of wanted to spread that prosperity, almost like in Black Panther, Wakanda. Yeah. Uh, you know, his his estranged brother who wanted to expand across. You're the world. so right. Good comparison. Um, Good comparison. Uh so the those dynamics are pretty interesting. I feel like they don't hold up throughout the whole season. hundred that's you you put it the best way is it, it starts off on such a strong note and it ends very much just like two sides fighting. Yeah. The political sort of backdrop to it kind of loses. It, it it doesn't stick throughout the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um I think they they fall into some old bad habits again, the, the writers. Yes. They, yes. Oh, you're we're like on the same wavelength. Man, they go back to cause the whole I mean, there's probably some great moments. There are great moments in the season. There are great fights. Um, Su Yin and uh, Lin Beifang. Anything with Kovira is great. With Kovira at one point. Even a little bit of the final battle. Uh, Korra versus Kovira is great. But well, Not the final battle, but how about the one where uh, it's in front of her whole army? That's oh, a really that good fight yeah, scene. Yeah, that one's really good. But, so there are some good moments, but it's really overshadowed by some like really... Yeah. I don't even know like bad writing yeah well they fall into the 
not fighting people again. Like the yeah. whole the final battle is just like them fighting mechs. Yes, where mech. did these giant mechs come or from? A giant laser beam. It's Why like, is Bolin in a mech suit? He's a lava yeah. bender. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Um, so I mean, we can touch on that later, but. So Korra is missing. We Mm -hmm. think she's at the North Pole, but she's missing. Um, Her dad shows up to Republic City uh, thinking he's going to see her. And everyone in Republic City thinks that she's coming with her dad. Um, And then so what does Tenzin do? Of course, he sends his three children to go find her, (laughs) which is not like the move. Uh, Yeah. Um, And Korra's off like street fighting. What is she doing? Uh, yeah, street fighting, like just trying the to Earth keep a low profile in the Earth Kingdom. She's cut her hair, mm-hmm. and she gets defeated uh, pretty easily by like a random street fighting bender. So you can tell she's not in peak shape. No, and she gets like flashbacks of the, gets, the here moment, yeah. and like her almost dying. The first couple episodes, she's being chased around by you know, the dark version of herself, which yeah. that felt it's like lame. it went on a little too long. Way too long. Again, too on the nose. It's like, we get it. Well, she's fighting inner demons. We get it. Yeah, we get it. We get it. But so uh, it does lead her to finally the last member of Team Avatar we're going to see, which is Toph, mm-hmm. which yeah. wh- <laughs> I get Toph is rough around the edges and kind of a uh, uh, whatever what are you doing telling me Toph's been living in, in a, a swamp, swamp yeah. for like long period of time decades. just by herself like yeah. decades like that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me two thoughts on that one Toph in this season is essentially Yoda on the swamp <laughs> planet like the, yes. that's the storyline like Korra 100%. seeks her out to, for her training wisdom yeah <laughs> Rides on her back type yeah. of deal. It's exactly um, what it is. Two. So she goes to find her in that the magical swamp where that, which is a good nice callback to she met or where Aang first had first a vision of saw her, uh, her, which is kind yeah. of kind of cool. Nice um, callback, but like you said, it takes too long to get here. And I would understand maybe if Toph had like just got here, but mm-hmm. why? Toph has children. Toph has a family. You're telling me Toph's just been yeah. Toph's just been chilling alone <laughs> like i just don't buy it like yeah. toff's whole thing in avatar was she very much came to love her little family that she made mm-hmm. for herself i yeah. just it, it was weird and it, i didn't like that being the end of toff yeah doesn't necessarily ring true um nice seeing her though she's got some snappy one-liners calls katara twinkle toes which is a cool callback mm-hmm. Yeah, so Toph, you know, helps her. Apparently, there's still traces of the metallic poison in her body. Lame. And she, uh, Cora's like, why don't you, like, can you help me? And she's like, no, like. You got to do it yourself. A test for yourself, which is weird. Just help me. Weird, yeah. Just help like, me. It's a life-threatening thing. <laughs> I have poison in me. Can you just do it, please? Just I know you it. can. Um, wh- the other thing I didn't love about uh specifically the three siblings going to look for her is like they recycle um i want to oh, say cheesy. a season two they recycle a season two storyline of like the three siblings Janora, iki and milo aren't getting along. milo's got some funny oh, moments in that episode he does but then iki runs off because she can't stand being around her siblings and she gets, gets captured and it's like that 
and Milo eats too. berries with the, and I love that there's another lemur, but like, mm-hmm. it's just too on the nose. It's too much. Yeah. Like, ah, I agree. And it, what's really lame is like that whole episode was so unnecessary. Yeah. Like this is our final season. <laughs> I just felt like we were on such a high note. I almost feel like these two seasons should be flipped, but it wouldn't make sense story wise, but yeah. like climax wise. Yeah. Season three should have been, or I mean, I, I don't know how it would have worked. It wouldn't have worked that way, but you, yeah. you get what I'm saying. Yeah, Zaheer sure. should have been the last bad guy somehow. Mm-hmm. But so oh, man, Covira is pretty cool though. Like I don't want to diminish yeah. Covira as a villain, a villain. I just think the story really lacks. Kovira uh, like, had potential, mm-hmm. and then so Varric. She has Varric, and Varric is experimenting with spirit vines, mm-hmm. and he creates a plasma cannon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. Yeah. And then him and Bolin escape because they've realized they're working for a dictator. Yeah. And like it's so funny to me they don't realize it at first because. Mm-hmm. I bet that's very realistic. <laughs> like, the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Bolin, it takes given Bolin, our current <laughs> political climate. Like, oh. It takes a while to realize you're actually working for a dictator. Uh-huh. Um, but Bolin's like very impassioned by what they're doing. You know what I mean? He believes mm-hmm. in the work they're doing. And I love, I love the whole Mako and him ending up on different sides of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't talked about Prince Wu. Uh. Um, yeah i guess no prince wu has one of the better stories of the season is he starts off as a a a dumb dumb idiot who you hate Uh and he molds himself into a decent leader who really cares about his people yeah he's like a a douchey version of his grandfather the (laughs) who was just like a dumb leader you're Uh, so right you're so right like like trying to get the ladies all the time and trying to impress people but he's like a coward and mako's his babysitter uh yeah and i I like that mako sticks with him even though mako hates working with him he ends up sticking with him which is nice as well mako and bolin escape they do these mech battles and um i mean i'm ready i I think we could talk about the end there's not a whole lot of potatoes in the in the middle um, no, the airbenders do some things. It's kind of repetitive. They find Cora. Mm-hmm. Um, they heal her. They Genora take her away from top. Doesn't amount to anything else <laughs> cool after her, you know, the season three grand finale, deeming her a master. Nothing comes of that. Ugh. Yeah. Um, one thing I do remember reading somewhere is that Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon for the final season had like cut some funding, and well, that makes sense. I totally buy that because the season three is weird. Toward, or for the end, they do a recap episode where they just oh my so lord, like how we met. Already little... for this, the fir- they did one in Avatar too. Yeah, but it was the play, mm-hmm. and the play was really funny and unique. Sure, and, and some story got pushed in that one. Like yeah. it's a necessary episode to watch. But the recap it's, episode is a literal recap. They show the same it's clips. Literal rec- yeah. recap. And it's Varric telling like a mover version of it at points. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it's awful. I skipped yeah. it the last time I watched it. Yeah. There's not much else in like the, the middle of the season. Um, when Bolin eventually defects, he helps a couple prisoners escape. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah. And he like very um, much where Varric is like, let's go, let's leave him. He's very yeah. much like, no, we need to help these people. What Bolin a- Bolin is like what Mako should have been. Yes. Bolin should have been like the comic relief, but then he somehow becomes like the the big 
hero who had like a big arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those prisoners is voiced by the guy who did Oman. Oh, that's uh, weird. I that's also weird. think does Tsunami Tom that voice. I love Toonami Tom. I had a weird obsession with him as a kid. Yeah, that's Amon, which is this... Uh, that's really weird. Things. You just yeah. blew my mind, if I'm being honest. Yeah. The people listening can't see my face, but it's <laughs> it, it's literally... It's a clash of voice, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, the battle where... So, you mentioned Kovira says, I would never ask you to do anything I won't ask myself. But so, there's one point where the avatar and um i think like janora kai and 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 mako roll up on kovira and like a large large army as kovira is trying to storm zaofeng or what's the metal city name i'm so bad with these names zafu yeah they're trying to this is like the last stand this is like the last city kovira needs to really unite the Earth Kingdom, even though she's like a terrible dictator who we, we get first class examples of the airbenders really trying to help people. And then Kovira really just strongholded them into signing their mm-hmm. loyalty over to her. And so yeah. we, we know Kovira, even though she thinks she has good intentions and others did too, she's not the good guy here. And obviously this whole army could just take out Cora and her, her group right now. But Kovira says, no, we're going to fight one on one. And if you beat me, I'll leave. Yeah. It's badass. It is badass. It is. Uh, so, you know, respect. I'll do respect to Kuvira. Yeah. Not many leaders well. would do that. Like, I, I'm yeah. thinking of Ramsey Bolton. It's like the exact opposite of what yeah. he does. You know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah. Um, and they face off and she takes down. <sighs> she she kind of whoops Cora. Yeah. There's like a moment where Cora's doing all right, but most of the fight is Kovira, is Cora mm-hmm. on the run. And so this is where like, I mean, it, this is like a war, and but they don't really get any good elements of like war stories. Like it, this season is weird. The writing feels off to me, especially well, towards the end. Because the last four episodes are about this they're building so uh, Varric has succeeded in building his plasma laser cannon thing it's that's awful. a weapon it's of, so out of, of place. mass destruction yeah even for this modern fictional world this is just felt out of place so, so <laughs> built, they have these medium sized mechs that we've talked a little bit about yeah. where they're, Julie and Varric and Bolin are in them and fighting uh, but the final couple episodes just have a giant, giant, giant mech. Yeah, like a, so like a Gundam-sized thing that doesn't. Look and it's good got so a long. giant laser on its wrist. And that's what they spend the last two episodes fighting a giant robot mech. And that is the end of how this story, Basically. this beautiful story, yeah, told over two different series, told over seven seasons, just fighting a giant it, robot. It ends with a giant robot um, fight. I mean, to, to their credit, there's kind of a cool, like, eventually Korra works her way inside the giant robot. <laughs> they use it's like a mosquito. They yeah. use a mosquito. I like, okay, I, I, I do like this season. There's a little Asami redemption. We haven't talked much about Asami at all, no. which is really a disservice because mm-hmm. Asami is Korra's number one now. Like yeah. it, that's what's happened over these last two seasons. And yep. it starts very friendship wise and it moves more romantic wise i believe mm-hmm. but so um asami makes up with her dad which is realistic in my opinion yeah 
it felt kind of weird because Cora was even like, why would you do that? But I think that's how it would go in real life, in all yeah. honesty. Yeah. And he helps them. He builds sacrifices. The, 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 he sacrifices. Yes. That's what I wanted to get to. He builds yeah. the mosquitoes and he saves Asami and sacrifices himself. And it's kind of a cool ending for him, even though he was a dick in yeah. season one. So they got inside the giant. They used the mosquito to get inside the giant robot. Stop. Listen to this. And listen. So the, that sentence you just said, they used a robotic mosquito to get inside the giant robot. This is yeah. not Avatar. We yeah. were talking about like lion turtles and, and chakras before. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's like, so it's like a little bit like infiltrating the Death Star kind of moments. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's frustrating. The, the only thing I really enjoy in this fight is when the earthbenders throw paint all over the windows yeah. of the giant mechanical robot because they're like nonviolent. And I just think mm-hmm. that's a really cool touch because it really does impede Kovira's movements. Also, she uses earthbending to move the giant robot, which is not <laughs> the most efficient way to do that at all. No. Yeah. There's enough <laughs> metal. Yeah. So weird. Yet it's platinum, so the metal benders can't do anything from the outside. It's, but the insides are, you know, I don't know. So weird. So I mean, we skipped over it. But there's a cute moment where Varric, um Well, so uh, did you like the Julie betrayal where she leaves Varric in Berlin for dead? Yeah. <laughs> it was it was out of character for her, so it makes sense that mm-hmm. it was a double cross. So I was glad it was a double cross because I was yeah. like, that's weird of her. And because her whole thing was literally loyalty. Yeah. And um, it's cute. They get married. He says, Julie, will you do the thing? Yeah. Uh, I will, in the battle, I mean, Cora and Kuvira face off a second time in the cockpit of the giant robot. And that's, that's a cool, a cool That's a cool fight. They've thrown metal panels around at each other. It's yes, because Cora's a full-fledged metal bender now, too. Mako has his big probably one of his only moments in season four where he has to blow up the spirit vine core to stop yeah. this thing from being able to shoot. So he like lightning bends it. And I don't think I noticed this the first time, but it, like he's doing it so long that it like tears his sleeve. And I think it leaves a scar on his arm, which I just thought in like a meta story wise, it's like, you know, we started avatar the last Airbender with a scarred firebender. Like, yeah. And Mako was kind of the equivalent Tezuka, I, you know no, I totally I mean? get what you're saying. It's like a, a nice little callback, and like he's getting his battle scar. He's having his big moment. Um, you're right, though. Now that I'm thinking on it, he doesn't even do much in season four either. No, he's just the babysitter for. He needed Wu. to get out of which the Prince Wu scenes are funny. Like I'm yeah. like season three doesn't have a ton of comedy, which mm-hmm. I kind of appreciate. But the comedy in season four is is back to the older ways, which is nice. But. I just, like I said, it felt like they had so much momentum with three and they really lost it with four. The mm-hmm. giant robot battle is pretty boring. It's kind of predictable. Um, yeah. And when it's over, it's just kind of over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where like season three ended, like the fight ended, but then there was a moment of, of like in ca- summing, summing up the season of with Jinora becoming an, a master airbender. Yeah. And this one just kind of ended. And it was very anticlimactic, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So they take down the big robot. Kuvira flees into the spirit forest. And it's like one of those uh, reveal scenes where like once Korra brushes through some vines and then Kuvira's behind the giant, like the laser cannon arm fell off and it's hanging in the vines and it's pointed at Korra now. 
Yeah. And Kubira fires it perfectly. Her. It's perfectly, perfectly, perfectly lined up. She knew exactly where Koro was going to be standing. Yeah. It was great. Uh, but Perfect. They, bla- they blast open a hole into the spirit world, which just like, I feel like not all of the spirit world logic tracks. No, like, no, that's what I'm saying. What when else? does it, it starts... open? When does it open? <laughs> why is it like mixed matched? But then it, this is a hole. And then why does it bring back airbenders? Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of plot holes with the spirit world. And it would have been better served if they just stayed away. If they'd done it like they did Avatar. Yeah. Uh, the last airbender. If the spirit world yeah. was more like that. Um and then Asami and Korra like go into the hole at the end, like yeah. on a vacation. They like, go, yeah, <laughs> explore the spirit world together. And so, I mean, Korra was great for having this very profound uh, moment of female lead. Yeah, yes, where two oh, yeah, female what? leads are romantically involved, and they're holding hands and looking in each other's eyes at the end, little end of the. Scene. I I think they kissed. I think that I read somewhere there's somewhere where they. I think there's a, a version of it that it was animated that they did. Yeah, um, but Nicola. And I wish they would have showed it. I wish yeah. they would have showed it. That's real lame that so they did. If I'm being they, honest, they were trying to push that. I'm glad that they were pushing the envelope on that. Like I said, um, Mako was holding them back. Mm-hmm. They were so much better without him, as friends and lovers. Uh, random season one callback at that last scene, they're having like this little banquet and everyone's celebrating or whatever. There's a band on stage and do you know who's uh, I think he's playing like a trumpet or something. No, he's like soloing on the trumpet. It's a uh, Tano from the wolf bats. <laughs> <laughs> Which is voiced by Rami Malik, but I don't yeah. hear his voice. <laughs> That's so funny. Voice, yeah. Um, but he's like, doo, doo, doo. <laughs> that's pretty classic. You see his purple hair. Yeah, um, but I agree. It is a cool moment of representation at the end there too. Um, that's one thing I really did appreciate about Cora as well. Very strong and, and complex female lead. I think she gets more complex as the series goes on, which is mm-hmm. nice. Um, great, you know, good on them. I think that's something they've always been very good about. Is yeah. like even episode one of the Last Airbender, they touch on Sokka's sexism. Mm-hmm. So. I love that it's female leads, like even a female villain in Kovira. It's great seeing these kind of things. Yeah. But so that's all I really have for season four. And that Evan would like that's, wrap up Avatar as a whole. Yeah. It's, which is crazy. It's a sad place to end. Yeah. Because right? there's so many more higher moments than this. Yeah. There's so the highs are so high. And you know what I'll say though? The lows are probably not that low. But by comparison, they feel low. By comparison there. Season four is pretty good. good. Season four is, we we were ragging on it, but it's only in comparison to three. To three, With three fires on all cylinders and and four lacks. And you know what? I would even say the first few episodes of four are really good and have a ton of potential. Yeah. Um, It's a weird spot to end. It's a weird spot to end, but it doesn't take away. What I feel like, and I hope most people do, is like Cora does not detract from the last airbender in any way, shape or form. That's true. I think you can separate the two easily enough where obviously, yes, they're very intertwined and very interconnected. It's, it's one series after another, but I think the two are separate enough, which doesn't leave any sort of lasting bad impact on the legacy of the last airbender. Mm -hmm. No, but I would say probably most people who finished the last airbender, I bet a lot don't finish Korra. I think Korra... Maybe I'm making a bold claim. I think Korra only catches flack 
because it followed Avatar The Last Airbender. It's hard, it's hard to be a follow-up to something so amazing. Yeah, if I had watched Legend of Korra as a series, it's pretty solid. If I had heard, oh, now this series has a prequel called Avatar The Last Airbender and watched that whole journey unfold. I wonder if just. we should, maybe we should tell someone to do it that way. <laughs> be, just tell them yeah, about just, Legend of Korra and then yeah. be like, oh, they actually have a prequel. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> no way! Yeah. Um, and then they're like, that's Tenzin's dad. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> that would be an interesting way to watch it. I think it does. I mean, it, it reaches issues for a different audience. Uh, you know, yeah, well, the audience themes, is older, a little and, darker. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And so, like I said, it's a good follow up, but not great. Yeah. The series succeeds in a lot of ways as an avatar fan. And maybe now with avatar, like how like annoying star Wars fans are about <laughs> star Wars. Like, Oh, so much, the, you know, the original the, series the originals were yeah. so much better. It's a little bit of that probably, but um, I think it's just hard to reconcile what you want out of Korra, mm-hmm. the series uh, with what it is as a series, um, which I, I think I have grown to appreciate, especially yeah. season three, season one. Um, I, I really love season one too. I know you love season one. And upon rethinking it, there are a lot of moments. I mean, I wouldn't have come back for two, three and four if I didn't like season one. Yeah. Um, I think, Man, but two, what happened on two? They were I napping. It's, yeah. Season two and four follow like the same fall into the same trap. So like not fighting, fighting humans. Yeah. Just fighting giant monsters slash robots. The stakes don't feel the stakes don't feel real. That's mm-hmm. what it is, is it doesn't feel like real stakes anymore. Season four after season three, season four feels like it should have been like a comic book adventure or something. Yes. No. Yes. You're so right. You're it's so like, right. I'm not that interested in this. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I don't even know. I Like I said, I don't think it detracts from the first series. It's a good addition. It's like a cherry on top. You can take it or leave it. Uh-huh. I would I'm glad it. I watched it. I would take it. I was just going to say, yeah. I, would, I think if you are like most people and into Avatar The Last Airbender, it's worth the watch. It's not, you're not going to like praise it like you do the original series. You're going to be invested though. Mm-hmm. I think part of it for me is also uh, I've watched it at this point like four <laughs> times in the past. We've watched it a lot recently, months, so like yeah, I'm a little nitpicky at this point, but yeah, um, definitely worth a watch. I'd say there's a lot of good moments, a lot of really good moments. You do have to wade through some not great moments, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, that's all I got. You have anything else? I don't think I do. This has been fun. I'm kind of sad to leave Avatar. I'm sad to leave Avatar behind. But excited to move forward. That's what, you know what? That's what this whole thing was about, was starting an adventure. Uh-huh. You and I podcasting, at Aang setting off on Appa. Uh-huh. A good old yip-yip, and we're off onto the unknown. We got a lot more ahead of us, so I'm excited. That's true. Wow. That was like a pretty heartfelt, sentimental way to put it. Yeah, I just came up with it last minute. I didn't plan that at all. I like that. Well, thank you everyone for listening. I know we are very long winded. <laughs> Let us know what you guys think. We love hearing what you guys think. Anytime I hear someone who listens and texts me about it or or, or sends me a message on Twitter, uh, always makes us happy. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll catch you next time.
My mom's here. She says hi. Hi. He, 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 he yelled hi. Okay. <laughs> Tell him I thought he looked very handsome in his wedding photos. Could you hear her? She thought he I looked did. super <laughs> Yeah, he could hear you. Yeah, thank you. All right. So many groceries.